in this place one more time thank you for keeping us Lord all through this summer all through these 20 something weeks of outdoors worship we're grateful today that yet we stand one more time because of your grace now Lord would you breathe on us this morning would you illuminate our hearts and minds would you give us preaching power and preaching permission that preaching may be done and we'll give you the praise and Lord while I'm thanking you thank you for the thousand pounds of food that you gave out on this week thank you for the men and women that loaded their cars and came and moved boxes took care of those who were hurting and in need thank you for smiling on us yet putting food on the table. Lord, we're grateful. Breathe on us now. In Jesus' name we pray. Thank God and amen and amen. Beloved, if you open your Bibles with me to the gospel according to Luke, the gospel according to Luke chapter 11, verse 33, there are three verses there for our hearing today. Thank you, Praise Team, for an excellent job. And thank you to the Outreach Ministry on yesterday for giving out food for the last three days. Thank you so much for your hard work meeting the felt needs of men and women, boys and girls all around this great city. Can we take a moment and give God some praise for that ministry? Thank you so much, beloved. Today after church, we'll be going to our baby church, Antioch, and they are inviting us to their church one-year anniversary and picnic Amen. at Woodward Park. Amen. So if you have not had lunch plans, don't plan anything, jump in your car and come go with us. Let's caravan and go out to Woodward Park and celebrate with our daughter church. Amen. And our son and daughter in the ministry there, Pastor Kevin Tate and his lovely queen their one year anniversary. Luke chapter 11, verses 33 through 36. If you got it, say, I got it, Pastor. No one, when he has lit a lamp, puts it in a secret place or under a basket, but rather they put it on a lampstand that those who may come in may see the light. On the lamp of the body is the eye. Therefore, when your eye is good, your whole body is full of light. But when your eye is bad, your whole body is full of darkness. Therefore, Take heed that the light which is in you is not darkness. 
For if then your whole body is full of light, having no part dark, then the whole body will be full of light. As when the bright shining of a lamp also gives you light. And all God's children said amen, amen. and amen. I'm going to tag this message this morning. What's your light like? What's your light like? You may be seated. The songwriter of Amazing Grace wrote these words a long time ago. Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. Another songwriter wrote these lyrics. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. All in my home, I'm going to let it shine. All in my heart, I'm going to let it shine. Let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. Y'all remember those two songs? Now what these two songs have in common is this one thing, that they both have the good news of the gospel hidden within their lyrics. And Jesus is talking about this same gospel in this text today. See, today's message is a challenge to let the light of the gospel save you and change you. And it's a word for those who don't know Christ, and it's a word for those who desire to know Christ. Both these songs talk about that. And Jesus in this morning's text is in front of a hostile crowd, New Beginnings. It's a crowd that has rejected his word. It's a crowd that's rejected his miracles. And it's a crowd that has rejected his witness. Now in this passage, Jesus is using light and darkness as a metaphor to teach and to announce to those who will follow him that they must decide which one they're going to embrace. You're going to embrace light in your life or you're going to embrace darkness in your life. You see, Jesus had gotten a little bit angry at this crowd. For he just got through telling them, I'm not giving y'all no more signs. The last sign I'm going to give you is the sign of Jonah. Y'all remember that sermon? And that was a prophetic example of one who was going to die, be buried, and raised again. Jesus is continuing in this public discourse. And he is examining their lives through the word of God. And so he uses these two metaphors, Brother Jazz, to address their position. He's saying some of y'all full of light and some of y'all full of darkness. Now today, in order to understand this passage, I'm going to unpack these verses and I got three things I'm going to wrestle with. Number one, I'm going to talk about the elevation of the light. And number two, 
the examination of the light. And then number three, the evaluation of the light. Can I unpack them for you as we go? Let's look at the first one, the elevation of the light. The Bible says in verse 33, no one, somebody say nobody. When they have lit a lamp, puts it in a secret place or under a basket, but rather they put it, Brother Sean, on a lampstand. Why? That those who are coming in may see it. Beloved, when you come to this portion of the text, we get to see Jesus expose what all people do when you come into a dark house. First of all, they grab the lamp, they set it on fire, and then they lift it up so everybody in the dark house can see where they're going. They do this to elevate light in darkness. Stay with me through here, family. Why? They want to expose the darkness by elevating the light. Notice this. They don't hide the light. They don't put it up in a place where they cover it up. No, they put the light out in the open so that everyone who comes in the house can see it. Some of y'all already know where I'm going, huh? He's given this illustration to teach them a lesson about the gospel. The gospel ain't supposed to be hidden. The earth is dark. And the gospel got to come out of the closet. Y'all in here now? And it's got to be elevated to a place where everybody can see it. Can I give you some context and culture to help ease the pain? Houses in the Middle Eastern country, Brother Ed, did not have acoustic lighting like we have. They were houses that were made of adobe clay and dirt. They didn't have windows or hard floors. So it was, if it was dark outside, it was darker inside. Are y'all with me here? And they couldn't just hear the switch, uh, Lady McBee, and the lights come on. They had to work to get their fire lit. They had to find the lamp. And then they had to light it and put the lamp, Brother McBee, in the place that would light up that dark house. Why? Because they needed everybody in that one room house to be able to see what was going on on the inside. Can I say some more? Here in this verse, the light and the lamp are a metaphor for the gospel in a dark place. God's word is a light that shines in the dark world. Can I, can I talk to you today? And ain't nothing shining like it. But can I tell you this? The gospel being lit in the dark world is not enough if it's only shining externally. It's got to be shining also internally. Did you hear me here? It's good if it's shining externally, but if it ain't shining on the inside of you, it ain't changing you. It should change your environment, Brother Jazz, but it also should be changing you. 
In other words, you shouldn't come out of a dark world and say, I got Jesus and still be behaving darkly. The Bible says in Psalm 119, Reverend Tom 130, the entrance of thy word gives light. And it gives understanding to the simple. In other words, the Lord's word gives us light to see in the dark world. And the Lord's word gives us wisdom as we live in a dark world. Other night, daughter Liz, I got up, was walking through my house, and it was dark. I was tired and weary. Sister Wilson usually gives me a little light to illuminate my way through the house. But going to bed, I was too tired, trying to cut on my little nightlight. I figured I know my house. I can feel my way to where I'm trying to go. So instead of cutting on the light, dear, I trusted my instincts to walk in a dark situation. Y'all already know what I did, huh? Reverend White, I kicked that pinky toe on the side of the bed. I'm glad I'm Christian because I have some stuff I wanted to say. That hurt is so bad, I thought I broke my pinky toe. It's hurting right now. You just can't see it. All I had to do was cut the light on. And I would have kept from hurting myself. Come on in here. I said, come on in here. All I had to do, Austin, was cut the light on. But because I said, I got this. Because I said, I know what I'm doing. I'm a big boy. I live here a long time. I can figure this out. I end up hurting myself because I refuse to cut the light on. Can I go there now? Somebody looking at me today, you know what the gospel will do, but you keep kicking that pinky toe because you won't cut the light on. You keep saying, I got this relationship. He ain't that bad. She ain't going to do that much damage. Are you with me here? It's just one little drink. I can handle this. I know. I know my limitations, right? You keep saying that because you think you can feel your way through this dark situation. And all I'm going to tell you is keep on until you hurt that other foot. Because something is going to happen as long as you keep trying to figure it out in this dark world. All I'm trying to tell you is you need a light to shine before you as you walk through this crazy land. And that's what Jesus is trying to say today. Jesus is trying to teach this crowd that you need the gospel to light your way in this dark world. And I notice here in the text that nobody who truly receives this light, they ever hide it. They don't hide this light, Pee Wee, because they know this light is everything and it must be elevated so they can see what they're doing in this dark and dying world. Can I get a witness? We've looked at the elevation of the light. 
Let's look now at the examination of the light. The text says in verse 34, Jesus says, the lamp of the body is the eye. Therefore, when your eye is good, your whole body will be full of light. But, somebody say but. If your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. Can I work right here, beloved? Notice when we come to this portion of the text, you and I see a different comparison and an examination of the light. Jesus in the last verse used an example of a house needing light. But here he uses the picture of a human body needing light. Jesus says the lamp of your body, beloved, is your eyes. When your eyes are good, your body will be full of good light. But when your eyes are bad, your body is full of darkness. Let me give you some context to understand this. At this time in the Middle Eastern culture, they didn't have modern day medicine like you and I have today. And they didn't use definitions or terms like you and I use today. For example, we use terms like blindness to describe the darkness inside of our eyes. Jesus is giving an illustration to reveal what it's like when you don't have the light of the gospel to see the world through. Are y'all in here? He says, if your vision is good, Lisa, everything around you is going to be good, daughter. And your body can see because your eyes can see. You have what I call as the Christian worldview. However, if you're blind, then you were considered to be one whose life was filled with darkness. In fact, if the eyes couldn't see it, then the body couldn't see it. And that means that your life would be painful because you're living in darkness. Oh, come on, y'all. Not long ago, Reverend Billings, I had some trouble with my eyes. And I can, now I keep my, my extra pair in my pocket all the time. But I went to the doctor, Reverend White, to get them checked out because I noticed that I was seeing four traffic lights instead of two. Have you ever been there? And I noticed that them cars was moving a little too close to me on 41. I figured I better go get this checked out. So the doctor, Mother Donna, he gave me an examination. And what he did was he dilated my eyes. And he did this, Reverend Tong. I know this is not proper, but I'm going to say it anyway. He temporarily blinded me. So I was unable to see. He did this so he could diagnose what my problem was. Now watch this, Roy. Though my eyes was wide open, I couldn't see a thing. My eyes were so bad 
that everything inside of me went dark. But they were still open at the same time. The doctor exposed my eye problem, Jazz. And as a result of my temporary blindness, I had to have somebody drive me around. Somebody lead me to where I needed to go. Here it is. My blindness dictated to me that I needed a savior. When your eye is bad, your whole body is bad. Jesus is saying to this crowd of haters, y'all think y'all can see, but really your eyes is bad. See, they just got through telling him, show me another sign. Because the first one they saw, they didn't believe. Y'all, come on, lean in now. He says, your eyes may be open, but all you guys can see is darkness. That's why you keep asking me to do another miracle. Your eyes may be open, but y'all keep rejecting me. And that's why you keep wanting me to say more, do more, prove myself more. Your eyes may be open, but all you guys can see is darkness. And that's why you oppose my miracles. That's why you oppose my words. Y'all can't see me because you can't see the things of God. And as a result, your body is filled with darkness and unbelief. See, they didn't know it, Brother Cooley, but Jesus was giving them an eye examination to prove to them that the light they had gotten accustomed to was a bad source of light. It wasn't light at all. It was really darkness. And the darkness had caused their souls to become dark. Here it is. They had adjusted their sights to live and dwell in darkness. Have you ever been in a dark room long enough until your eyes adjust? Can I go there real quick? Have you ever been in sin so long that you get comfortable there? Your eyes get adjusted to living together outside of wedlock. Your eyes get adjusted to getting high after church and now it's just okay. Your eyes get adjusted to pornography in your marriage and you declare ain't nothing wrong with it. Your eyes get adjusted to a bad attitude and an ugly disposition and you think everybody else got the problem. All the time they were walking in darkness and missing the light of the gospel. They were blind and didn't even know they couldn't see. Here it is. They never had sight and didn't know that they were missing the greatest joy in the world. The ability to see God, know God, hear God, and live for God. We've looked at the elevation of the light. We've looked at the examination of the light. Let's look now at the evaluation of the light. Y'all in here, or is it just me? Y'all pretty quiet today. Verse 35, the Bible says, Therefore, take heed that the light which is in you is really not darkness. If then your whole body is full of light, having no dark part, the whole body will be full of light, he repeats it again, as when the bright shining of a lamp gives you light. Beloved, in this last portion of the text, 
Jesus drives home, Brother Cliff, his message to the haters who've come to hear him. He said, take heed. Or in, in A.D. Wilson's vernacular, check yourself. Evaluate the light that's in you to see that the light is not darkness. Here it is. Everybody has something inside of them in this parking lot online today. And it's either light or it's darkness. Jesus wanted the crowd to evaluate which one of them they were working with. See, this was powerful because it was a call to experience the light by evaluating your life. He said, here's how you can know. If you are walking in the light and the light is in you. Secondly, this evaluation is a process. And every believer must do this in our fallen world. I heard a preacher say this, Pastor Tong, I think you'll appreciate it. He said, when Jesus Christ saved you, Wilson, he opened your eyes and the light shone in. And that's what made you a child of the light. You catch it right there? It ain't nothing you did. Jesus made you a child of the light. He said the important thing is that you take advantage now of what he made you and now walk in the light and walk by faith. He said this, and this is the part that got me. He says, if you keep your eye on the things of God and on the things of the world, you're going to end up walking in darkness. Did you catch it? He says, you can't allow for the light of God to live in you and shine in you and you get distracted with the things of the world because the things of the world are designed to pull you away from the light of God. He went on to say, ain't no twilight living for the Christian. What did he mean? You can't walk in the dark and in the light at the same time. Do you know even the world understand that? You're going to either be out at night or you're going to be out in the day. But it ain't night and day at the same time. Are you with me here? Uh, Friend of my library said three men he knew about in the Old Testament represented this. He said these men, uh, they started off in the light, but they ended up walking in darkness. Because they were double-minded. Let me unpack it. He said, y'all remember Samson? He tried to walk in the light for a minute. And then he tried to walk in darkness at the same time. And he ended up blind. A slave. In a dark dungeon. All because he yielded to the lust of the flesh. He ended up becoming double-minded. Y'all remember Lot? He said Lot began as the son to his uncle Abraham and ended up as a drunk in a cave committing incest with his baby girls because he yielded to the lust of the eyes. He said Lot tried to serve two masters and walk in two directions. He was double-minded. Then he gave me a third one. He said, you remember Saul? I said, I remember Saul. 
He said he began his reign as a humble king, a humble leader, but pride led him into a witch's cave. And there he died because of foolishness, of suicide in the battle. Sin was the pride of life and it caused him doom. He tried to walk in the light and the darkness. And as a result, he ended up being double-minded. Let me say it like this. Each of us is controlled, beloved, either by the light or the darkness. And the frightening thing is that somebody here under the sound of my voice, you've already hardened your heart against the Lord. And you don't even know there's a difference. You think you are following the light when in reality it's darkness that you're following. The scribes and the Pharisees claimed that they saw the light as they studied the law, as they taught religious things, as they practiced religious principles. But really, they were living in darkness. Jesus is informing them in this text today of the tragedy of their eyesight and the darkness of their soul. Oh, beloved, it's a terrible thing when you can't tell that you're blind and you're walking in darkness. It's a terrible thing that you can't tell you're on the road to destruction. It's a terrible thing that you can't see that things are bad when you really think they are well. I got to leave you now. But Jesus gives us an answer to our eyesight problem. He says, if your whole body is full of light, and having no part dark, and your life will be bright. And everyone will be able to tell who you are. Did you catch it? Mm -hmm. If your eyes are open and the light of God is inside of you, everybody will know it. Because your light will radiate from you. If your eyes are open and the light of God is in you, Darkness can't hang around you because you light it up every time it show up. If your eyes are open and the light of God is in you, then you won't be confused about what's right and what's wrong. And there won't be no compromise. The reason why you compromise is because darkness is pulling you when lightness should be pushing you. Uh, when your eyes are filled with the light of God, light will expose what's not acceptable or complementary to the light. Y'all quiet. Come on, help me push this thing. When your eyes are filled with the light of God, your life will be filled with the light of God. When your eyes are filled with the light of God, you won't have to live like Samson and your flesh won't be in control. When your eyes are filled with the light of God, you won't have to live like Lot with a desire for the things of this world and your flesh leading you in contrary ways. When your eyes are filled with the light of God, Billings, you won't have a sad story like Saul and die a fool's death because your flesh was out of control. I feel like preaching today. I've discovered that people can tell when you're different. They can tell when you're faking it. Yeah. 
And they can tell when you a double-minded Christian. You might can't tell, but everybody else reading your cards, baby. I got to leave you now. But I want to land this plane by identifying seven characteristics of the double-minded Christian. Now watch yourself. Here I come. Number one, if as a believer, you have major sinful influences that are fueling your thoughts, if this is you, you probably become a double-minded Christian. You can't control your thoughts, your mind. Number two, if as a believer, you got a strong history with powerful sinful influences, that means you keep going back, picking it up. You probably have become a double-minded Christian. Come on, y'all, lean in. Be big boys and girls, come on. If as a believer, you find yourself compromising your thought life in one sinful primary area, you probably are a double-minded Christian. That means you don't intend to stop. You just don't intend to get caught. Number four, if as a believer, if you are led by the Holy Spirit, except when your thing come up, you know, whatever your thing is, that thing, you probably have become a double-minded Christian. You don't intend on getting rid of that thing. You just keep it around for your holiday. Number five, I only got two more. If as a believer, you only experience real peace in your heart when your mind is under God's control, you probably have become a double-minded Christian. That means God don't have all of you. He's only got a little of you. Number six, if as a believer, you find yourself giving in to old habits easily, Ain't even no fight. You just lay down. You probably have become a double-minded. Boy, I feel all alone up here. Number seven, I'm going to land the plane. If as a believer, you would love to be drawn to the things of God, but you probably have become a double-minded Christian. In fact, beloved, if you have any of these seven things going on in your heart, then we got an issue you probably got to deal with. And just like Samson, just like Lot, and just like Saul, your double-minded issues are on display. You see, Jesus is trying to deal with your issue this morning by revealing to you that there's a light problem in your life and you need like Wilson to have your eyes checked you need to have your eyes checked if you got some dark areas down in your life that you ain't been willing to go into y'all in here one Christian rapper has this song out oh, it's so cold it just messes me up every time I hear it he talks about he's got some rooms in his house he don't go in no more 
And some of those rooms are so painful, right? He just tried to stay away from them. But instead of knocking down the house, he keeps the rooms around because he just might want to go there one day. Uh, if I were you, I wouldn't leave this parking lot online this morning without taking my eye exam. I would make a decision to get my eyes fixed. I would finally deal with that dark stuff in my heart because I'm tired of carrying it around. I'm tired of acting like that room ain't there. I'm tired of acting like I ain't got this problem. And I become so comfortable, I just tell people, yeah, that's the room. I got this problem right here. And you act like it's cool to keep talking about it. Well, who told you? Go to get rid of it. Uh, if I were you, I wouldn't walk away thinking that my blindness really ain't darkness. I would act like if I were you, rather with you, I wouldn't act like I can see God like he wants me to. Hey, when I know I can't see him, Billings, because the stuff in my soul is too dark, I wouldn't be happy with a blurry relationship with God. I got to close right here. But Jesus came that you might receive your sight. Jesus came that you might get rid of darkness. Jesus came, yeah, that he could fill your soul and your life with the light of God. If you're here today, I can tell you where to find the antidote for your blindness. Uh, it's at the cross, at the cross, where I first saw the light. And the burden of my heart, it rolled away. It was there by faith I received my sight. And now I'm happy all the day. The songwriter kept going, Billy, and he said, Well, might the sun and darkness hide and shut his glories in when Christ the mighty maker died for man, the creature's sin. But drops of grief can never repay the debt of love I owe. Here, Lord, I give myself away. Tis all that I can do. He got happy and said, at the cross, at the cross, where I first saw the light. And the burden of my heart rolled away. It was there by faith I received my sight. And now I'm happy all the day. Oh, beloved, Jesus died that you might have sight. And Jesus died that you would keep seeing after he gave you sight. That's why the gospel must be continually read must be continually preached. I know your soul is saved, but you live in a fallen world. And if you ain't careful, the world will mess with your eyes. You got to stay at the cross. 
live at the cross. Why? Because the cross keeps your vision clear. The cross keeps you from being cross-eyed. The cross keeps you from misbehaving after you've been saved. Oh, can I, can I work right here? I'm through. There's two sides of the cross. That's what happens before you get there. And it's what happens after you've been there. You still need the gospel. Just because your soul got saved don't mean your behind acts right. The gospel helps you to act right while you're living right. That's why you keep preaching it. That's why you keep living it. That's why you keep yeah, holding on to it. I'm so glad he died. Can I say it again? It just felt good. One Friday night on a hill called Calvary. Can I say it, Lisa? They stretched him high and they dropped him low. He dropped his head in the locks of his shoulders. And for me, he died. They took a spear, stuck it in his side, and out came blood and water for the cleansing and remission of my soul. He died, didn't he die? They took the body down. Charlene and placed him in a borrowed tomb. And baby girl was early. I said early. Sunday morning. When God the Father raised him back to life. And he sits there now in heaven with all power of heaven and earth in his hands. And I'm so glad he gave me sight. And he keeps giving me sight. I'm through preaching here. But I learned something when I got my eyes checked out. The doctor helped me to see what I couldn't see. And then he said, Wilson, I'm going to give you something else. I'm going to give you something that's called transition lenses. Somebody missed me. A, trans lens, a trans transition lens is something that changes the element when you go from one context to another. Are you with me here? Guess what God gave me? A transition lens. Grace is my transition lens. When I mess up on Monday, grace will transition me into Tuesday. Uh, I thought I had some Christians here. If I mess up on Tuesday, grace will transition me into Wednesday. If I mess up on Wednesday, grace will transition me into Thursday. And guess what? I never lost my sight. I just had a new way to look at it. Who am I talking to today? You need to get your transition lenses. You need to come and say, Jesus, fix my eyes. Fix my thoughts. Change my attitude. Change my heart. Help me to transition from the life I'm living to the life you want me to live. And all God's saints said amen, amen. and amen. Let's receive prayer from Pastor Tom. Let the church say amen. 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 Family, it's...